Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, welcoming you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. We're talking Ole Miss in this edition. The Rebels coming off a 54-17 win over Austin P. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer. Michael, I missed that game by only one point, man. I had 55 to 17 uh, in the prediction post on Thursday. And honestly, that was probably the highlight of my predictions for the week. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was a tough week for predictions. I think I only got one right. Uh, and that includes me getting absolutely smoked by my alma mater. So uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a, it was a tough week for picks. Well, we all lost with the Trojans, man. It's not, uh, not just you. And uh, I just – I can't get Texas right. You know, I, I'm not sold on Texas, and I, and I, and I went with the upset with uh, Louisiana Lafayette and thought, hey, the, you know, the, one, one of the hot teams from the Sun Belt, man, could, could really pull this off, and, and they didn't. And then Arkansas just, uh, just took them to the woodshed. Uh, speaking of the woodshed, uh, Austin P had a trip there Saturday night. That's – that's to be expected, you know, uh, with the – you hope that's the way it comes out for the home team, if you're the home team, and, and the uh, smaller school comes in. This is that game where if you play well and dominate, uh, as was the case uh, for the Rebels, you really don't get credit for that. You, and you really don't answer questions about how you might compare against a more worthy opponent. I, I think the biggest goals in these games – are to uh, execute in all phases and come out with no major injuries. So how did the Rebels do in, in those areas? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think I think they played things pretty smart. You know, Orlando Umana and, and Jake Springer didn't play. Um, I if I had to venture a guess, I, I think if that the Tulane game had been instead of Austin P, I, I probably think that there's a better chance of those guys playing, but. You know, with a game like this, when you feel pretty good about your odds going in, uh, I think you can kind of, I don't want to say rest guys, but if guys are on the fence, then you can, you know, may, maybe make that decision a little bit easier. Um, you know, when Matt Corral only plays, you know, a couple series in, in the third quarter, get him out of harm's way, uh, you know, you get you get, a, a, get a lot of guys in, um, work on that depth. I think obviously your first goal is, is to get a win as we saw that is not a given because Jacksonville state did what it does. It, uh, they, they beat another big team. Uh, you know, they took on Florida state on a Hail Mary Well, Ole Miss knows that these games uh, can go the other way. And so, you know, you get a big win. Uh, you, you get a lot of guys in, in, in terms of, you know, getting some playing time and uh, you know, knowing that we know of, got hurt and and you're expecting your team to be healthier uh going into the lane game i think it was about as good of a an outcome as you could probably hope for yeah at least old miss in 2010 uh took jacksonville state to overtime <laughs> you know at least, at least that was overtime um hey uh who played center who played center with umana out it was bryce ramsey okay did he go the whole game uh when it mattered yes yeah. Okay. Well, good. Good. I mean, that's a guy that needed uh, needed some experience there. And how are they? Are they rotating much? That they don't rotate much in general because they like to go fast. I, I get that. But 
really rotated very, very little on the offensive line last year. Didn't see uh, much play by the reserves uh, against Louisville. Uh, so did, did they get more guys uh, along the offensive line in the game the other night? Yeah, I think towards the end of that third quarter and pretty much all of the fourth, when, when you got, uh, you know, Kincaid and Luke and John Rice alternated quarterback, I, I think you kind of started to see uh, a, a bunch of guys, different guys up front. And that's, I, I think, a really important thing because you never know when a guy's going to go down. And obviously, getting Bryce Ramsey a start, I think, was was important because, you, again, you never know when you're going to need him. And so, uh, as Lane kind of alluded to, win, the win is great. That's the most important thing. But it is really important to kind of work on depth. And I, th I think they, they did have a good opportunity to do that uh, during this one. Well, and it's good that you can take Umana out and trust Bryce Ramsey in that game, and, and you don't have to disrupt the rest of the offensive line by moving Ben Brown back to center. I think that was uh, that was noteworthy there. Uh, how did Corral play? How was his execution? I mean, it looks like looked pretty good, man, with no turnovers and five touchdowns. Yeah, I, I you know, there, there were a few drops, too. Uh, his stat line could have been even better. Um, you know, I, 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 it was, it was what we expected from Matt Corral. You know, it was four first half touchdown passes. They were really aggressive. There were those big fourth down calls when, you know, as Lane said, he kind of went above what the book says you should do. And I think in a game like this, you can take some liberties and kind of test things out and uh, be more aggressive than, you know, you might otherwise be in a quote unquote more competitive game. Um, and I think that that helped with Matt, too. You know, he looked good. He, he threw some some gorgeous deep balls, as he tends to do. You know, Dontario had uh, a drop in the end zone on a perfect pass. Uh, uh, he, You know, that one, I think we all thought it was a catch uh, by Mingo uh, that they, for whatever reason, called incomplete. It's the one that knocks uh, FaceTime Lane apparently during halftime to tell him that it was a completed pass. And then he should tell uh, the refs that it was complete. Um, so, I mean, you know, the stat line could have been better. And then he came out and, and he threw a, a touchdown pass on uh, the first drive of the second half. I think, you know, he he, he looked good uh, against Louisville, but, you know, he, he only threw one touchdown pass. Uh, in, in that game. So I, I think it was probably good just for everybody to kind of see him get going and, and and to spread the ball out. You know, Drummond had two touchdowns, Mingo had two touchdowns, Berlin Sanders had a touchdown. I think it was nice for them to just kind of get everybody involved. And, uh, you know, I, I think we all expected Matt Corral to have a good game, but uh, I, I think he, he he did a lot of really good things heading into what I think is going to be a, a, a really tough game. I, I think the point here for Matt Corral, the level that you're looking for is 70% completion, which is extremely high. But I think it's kind of a bar he set last year, or at least getting close to that. And, and while we thought he looked just good against Louisville, I think he was at like 67 uh, something like that. So in, in terms of accuracy, and, and you're talking about a few drops here, um, I take it that uh, that he was on the mark. Yeah, no, he I, – I, I can't really think of any throws where I said, ooh, that was a bad one. Uh, there were a couple moments when 
Matt Corral likes to take off and run. Uh, he is not afraid to put his head down. And you just, you know, there are points during a, a game that you know they're going to win where you're like, maybe that's not, you know, maybe you should slide. Uh, that, that was the only thing that I kind of thought was that, you know, I know he's a gamer and then he's a competitor and that's what he does. If he's going to take off, he's going to fight for every yard. Uh, you know, he, that, I, that, that was the only thing where a couple of times I was like, Oh man, that, if that hit goes another way, uh, you know, that's a season changer, but it didn't. Uh, and so I think all things considered, you're, you're, you're extremely happy with what you saw with Matt. Does uh, Lane Kiffin's uh, handling of the quarterbacks after Matt uh, indicate that he's really not sure what he has behind Matt or what he wants behind Matt? It, it, if I was following along correctly, it looked like the freshman Luke Altmeyer was the first one in, uh, if you read anything into that. And then I also thought it was interesting that neither Altmeyer nor Kincaid Dent finished the game, that he felt the need, even in this game against this opponent, to, to move John Rice back to quarterback for uh, for some time. What what did you make of all that? Yeah, it was, you know, it was it was like Luke Altmeyer for a few plays, and then Kincaid would come in and then John Rice would come in. There was just it was kind of like it was kind of musical chairs uh, in terms of of how they handled things. It, again, with a game like this, I, I think it's it's kind of hard to read into what the grand plan is in terms of that because you know we we didn't really see any of them take meaningful snaps. I know Lane kind of kind of joked that John he put John Rice in a quarterback so fans would stay uh, at the end of the game um, and that he hadn't practiced there all week. Um, I, I I think. In in a game like that, you you can you can work on things and you can test things out, and I think that's really good because you can see what you have. But I do think that it makes it hard to distinguish. You know, if if the game was on the line and you had to put in certain guys, who those guys would be? I I, I don't think we've really learned uh, who would be the next man up quite yet and I, I don't I don't think that necessarily that's a bad thing you know you're only two games in and, and if Matt Corral you know were to go down there's a lot of other problems uh you know the the season would take a very big turn and you know no matter who went in I don't think it would probably be nearly as effective uh and but but as much as as getting guys experience is really good I don't think we've really learned anything uh about what is behind Matt Corral you know, um, most teams would look very different if uh, if they lost their starting quarterback. Very few could absorb that kind of blow and, and just continue merrily along. Um, I do think the gap is bigger right now at, at Ole Miss, and it looks like Kiffin is still searching. And I do still think that uh, if, it, if there had to be someone for an extended period of time, if, if Corral went out for four games or something like that, I think it would be Dent at, at this stage. Um, and uh, interesting, I, I didn't see, Michael, that uh, Tyrell Pegrom, uh played, took any snaps at quarterback. Is that right? Did he get in the game at all? He did not. I, the only time I saw him is, is he was playing catch with Matt Corral on the sideline. I, I think they're still kind of trying to get him. He did look good in that game of catch. You know? Oh, he looked great. He, he had a lot of zip on those on those 10-yard passes, and they looked great. Okay, well that that is an interesting note because I know that that raised some eyebrows when you brought in a 
you know, a transfer quarterback uh, this uh, at this stage, at the late stage of camp uh, that they did. So it looks like moving parts still uh, in the who's behind uh, Matt Corral situation. I found it interesting that uh, Drummond had another big game. I think you're seeing chemistry develop there. And, and while we all thought the ball would be spread around more among the receivers this season, I'm not surprised to see some chemistry begin to develop between uh, Corral and one of the receivers. A lot more targets for the slot in this game, and it was Mingo, Jonathan Mingo with the big game. You know, we questioned that in camp. We wondered about Mingo and, and his consistency, and uh, if, if they can have a big game from him like that, if he can catch like that, I think he really adds a lot to this offense. I'm still waiting for uh, Braylon Sanders to uh, jump up and and do great things. And I think that he will, Michael, but uh, it, it just didn't look like they threw his direction much. Uh, am I wrong on that? Or, or uh, where, where was where was Braylon? I know he got a touchdown, but it didn't seem like he had a lot of catches. Yeah, that's Lane kind of uh, joked about after the game, saying that, you know, we've been writing all these articles about how, you know, Braylon's been flying by people. So they've been, you know, kind of playing their coverage a little bit different. So it's opened up things for everybody else. And I believe his quote was, you know, Braylon thanks you guys uh, for us writing about how great he's been playing, which I thought was that was that was funny because, you know, in every scrimmage, he has looked like the dude. Um, and so I, I think I think it sounds like teams are playing back because they know that Braylon can take the top off a of defense. And when you do that, it, it opens things up for those guys in the slide and those guys like Drummond who can kill you over the middle. And uh, I think eventually the defenses will adjust to try to take that away. And then when that happens, I think that's when Sanders starts to get his, um, you know, I, I think it was important for them to get Braylon a touchdown just to kind of, uh, you know, get him involved and, and get him some numbers um, but I, I think with this group, I know right now it's, it's very Ontario heavy and I think he is going to be a big target. I think th those three guys are going to be the targets. Uh, but I, I think depending on, you know, who has a, a hot week or couple weeks, the defense is going to adjust and then it'll be a different guy who comes up. And so I, I think Sanders, time is coming because I think, I, I, I can't imagine that teams are going to, you know, let Ontario Drummond be targeted like 20 times a game. And I think that's going to require, you know, the defenses to play up a little bit. And when that happens, I think that's when Sanders kind of starts to take off and do what he does. Well, we, we still haven't seen a tight end emerge with, with big numbers in, in two games. And, and that was certainly a big part. It has been a big part of, of uh, Kiffin's offense wherever he's been. I know they're transitioning there, uh, but you know I don't know if I don't know what he thinks about tight ends. But we're not seeing it in the play calling right now. And I'll tell you, I, I know Michael that that they rushed for like 900 yards in a game or something like that. But uh, I'm still waiting to be impressed also by Jerryon Ely, you know, for his talent level. I think right now uh, he's just looked good. I, I think there's a lot more in the tank for Jerryon. What do you see there? Do you think that uh, what we're seeing from Jerry on right now is in any way a reflection uh, on off-season shoulder surgery. No, I, I, I don't think I would say that. I, I think, you know, in that first game, I think he ran for like 37 yards the entire game. 
so I think it was big for them to establish him early in the Austin P game. And he ran for 40 something yards in that first quarter. He looked really good when they gave him the ball and he was catching the ball. And then basically they just didn't give, I don't think he got any more carries after that. And I think again, in a game like that, you play a lot of guys, you rotate, but I do think it was really important for them to get Jerry in established early in that game, because it kind of shows, you know, he's your alpha dog back there. Um, and when you, when, you, when the game is still, you know, when it's zero, zero and the game was still in question, he's your effective, he, he's your guy. And, and I think they, they did a nice job of establishing him in that first quarter. And, you know, after that, they didn't really need him. Uh, you know, if the game had been tighter, I imagine he, he probably would have, you know, seen some more carries, but, I do think it was it was good to see them establish him in the way that they did early. And then, you know, it's nice to not have to play a guy uh, after that. But um, I, I think it was a good start. But I think starting this week, you're going to need to see him for four quarters because it's it's about to get a lot tougher. Well, it is. And, and I think uh, the Rebels in two weeks have shown off that depth, that depth we knew they had at running back. And it sounded like Henry Parrish had a good game. Um, just what else did you see in the running game beyond Jerry on? Yeah, no, uh, Henry Parrish looked really good. Um, again, you know, they did rush for almost like 330 some yards. Um, I, I, John Rice had like 60 yards on four carries, uh, at the end of the game there, which I think kind of boosted those numbers a little bit. Um, you know, but it, it's, you know, uh, Snoop had this huge game in, in against Louisville, and then we we didn't really see him do a, a ton against Austin P. And again, I think that's because you didn't really need him to. Um, but you know, when, when you can have you know five different ball carriers, and I think they're they average seven point eight yards per rush as a team uh, against Austin P. When you can basically just throw any of your guys back there and have them run for eight yards a pop, I think you're feeling pretty good. And uh, but it, it was good to see Parrish get a, a little bit more of a consistent feel because he he didn't look great uh, against Louisville. The running game really didn't look that great against Louisville in general, you know, other than Snoop. Um, so I, I I think it was good for them to establish that. And you know, it, it's you know as far as for, uh, quote unquote fourth string running backs go, I think Snoop Connor is probably about as good as there is in the country. Well, and, you know, the Louisville defense, I think, is uh, indicative more of the type of defense the Rebels will see most most Saturdays. I think Louisville's going to end up being pretty good on defense. And it looks to me like, at least in two games, that uh, they're trying to get their fast guys out there first and establish things with their fast guys, uh, and then maybe uh, maybe more, more snoop in the second half, bring your banger, your physical guy in there going to run through some tackles when they're a little more fatigued. You know, that's that, that that's my coaching evaluation of things there. Uh, hey, shifting gears a little bit, let's talk defense. Uh, another good performance. I know you expect this when um, you're playing the FCS game, but this was a defense last year that you could not take that for granted. So good to have uh, strong performances back-to-back. Uh, I don't see stars here, Michael. I know a lot of people gravitated to Chance Campbell you know, after the Louisville game, and it, and it was a good game for Chance, uh, the Maryland transfer coming in there right off the bat. Uh, but I see production spread around. I, I saw different names with plays. I know uh, Sam Williams uh, had a scoop and score, and he made one of those rare uh, 
uh, interview appearances after. He probably had three guys from media relations uh, kind of bracketing him there uh, during the, the interview process. But uh, uh, I'm seeing production spread around. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think we – after that first game, at least, I think everybody thought Chance Campbell was, was going to – kind of do this on a week-to-week basis. And it, it, it's interesting because the defense did play well. You know, they only gave up 17 points. And really, if, you know, if they had kept their starting group in there, it probably would have only been a touchdown. Um, but they did give up a decent amount of yards. Uh, you know, it was close to 400. I think they they adjusted the stats afterwards and took away 30 yards for whatever reason they told us in the press box. So it was a little bit under 400 yards of, of, of um it's, it's nice how they do that and to, well, to make we things decided that Austin P had too many yards and therefore we're going to make adjustments. Yeah, exactly. It suddenly went from 404 to 374 uh, in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, uh, they did, you know, they gave up a lot of first downs and all that stuff. But I think you kind of have to look at it as when you're playing depth and you're just kind of trying to get out of game uh, and, and you're, you're, you got in guys who would normally be playing, I think. You're probably okay giving up yards and and first downs and stuff just as long as they're not doing anything in the red zone. And I think they only got into the red zone once. I think they you know they were they were one for one in there. Um, and so I, I I think you know the the numbers uh, I th- I think in terms of yards are a little bit misleading because a lot of those numbers came when the game didn't. It, it was at it was at a question. It was you know there was no question as to who was going to win. Uh, and so I think all things considered, it was a pretty good performance. But, yeah, no, like, like you said, I mean, other than you know Sam Williams, who's off to a really nice start, I think he's got three sacks already. Uh, he had that scoop and score. Um, you know, there's not one guy you're really highlighting. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think when – if you have a defense where there's only one guy you can highlight, that can sometimes be a problem because it means everybody else isn't very good. Um, but I think with this group, you, you know, they might not have a quote unquote superstar, but I think they've got a lot of really good players and they can rotate in a lot of guys and not really lose much. Hey, good to see Taiwan Malone, the freshman, get in the game and, and be productive. I, I thought, what, what did he look like? Good. I mean, he got it. He got his first career sack. I think when, when you get your first career, anything, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, I know last week Lane said they they were going to need him at some point. And did they need him this game? Probably not. But I think it was good to get him some confidence and to get him in, in a rhythm and to get him reps. And uh, again, there is going to come a time that could be sooner rather than later where they are going to need him to step up. You know, you don't recruit a guy like that if you're not going to need him. And so I, I, th- I think it was I think it was good for them to to get him some reps and get him, you know, that first sack to, to kind of, you know, now he knows what it feels like. He's seen legitimate game action. Uh, I, 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 I think that if they're going to get to where they want to be, he is going to eventually have to play a pretty big part. And sometimes it's just good in these games to see validation of what you've heard in press conferences. And uh, so for a Taiwan Malone to get in the game, I thought that validated, uh, Kiffin's comments. Yeah, they are going to need him. And no, they didn't need him against Austin P. but playing him against Austin P. makes him more ready uh, for Tulane. And they're going to need to get some pressure uh, in the pocket against Tulane this week. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition 
of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. For Michael Katz, I'm Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back later in the week, folks. Come join us.